Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 249. Today, we've got a boss tip episode for you, all about how to be a concise, compelling, cogent communicator. And it was inspired by a recent excellent listener-submitted career conundrum that came in from Adriana. Take a listen. Hi, Emily. I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. My name's Adriana. Um, have no boss move to share or anything, just more of a question. Um, first of all, I listen to the podcast all the time, love it. Um, and thought I would reach out to you because this is a question that I've had for other leaders I've come across who are just really articulate and well spoken and have just a knack for getting their thoughts across. Um, I don't, I struggle with that and it's something that I don't, I don't know how to phrase this, but I, I've always thought that maybe it's just something a skill someone has when they're really well read, but I feel like it doesn't matter how much I read or listen to podcasts like yours or other people who I think are really well spoken. I can't seem to get my thought across as well as other people do. So I just, um, I think if you could discuss it on your podcast, I'd really appreciate it. Like maybe pointers for people who, who, who struggle with getting their ideas across or um, sometimes I think it's more than anything like in our, in our heads and I struggle to, to articulate my ideas to others when uh, I'm speaking in public just because I get nervous and I do a better job at it, let's say in drafting an email. Um, gosh, even this question, I think I've got really long winded and lost in, in what I was trying to get across. So I hope it made sense to you, but I guess, um, we're looking for somebody like you who is really good at it to give pointers to other people or to kind of just like talk about how it is that you think you got to the point where you're, you know, where you've gotten where you're a podcaster and you're always, you know, making all these videos and such a good public speaker. So any pointers on how somebody could possibly get to your level. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Adriana, first of all, thank you so much for this question. It is, I, I think, it was brave of you to kind of illustrate the challenge as you called it in. Um, and you gave such a perfect example of why it is so challenging to come across clearly, concisely, uh, and persuasively. And let me just reassure you right off the bat, it has nothing to do with how well-read you are. Some of my most brilliant, most well-read friends, my bestie from college, Vanessa in particular, are some of the, like have some of the funniest speech habits from my experience. I'm always teasing Vanessa with love, of course, because she's brilliant and she knows it. 
about the words that she pronounces in a creative way because she clearly picked it up through reading. So keep in mind, you got to practice how you want to play. If you want to be a more compelling, concise, and cogent speaker, you're not going to get there from reading. You've got to practice out loud. That's the whole basis of our Speak Up program is creating opportunities for women to practice in community, in real time, out loud, the best practices around making your voice heard in real time. So to answer your question, I want to break it down into three possible theories because The short answer is that it depends. It depends on why you might feel like you have trouble coming across clearly. There's a few different reasons why that might be the the case. First and foremost, you might be talking it out to think it out. I think that's what happened with your voicemail. You were leaving a voicemail and you were thinking it out as you spoke about it which is totally normal and it's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, when I'm leading a team meeting with my staff, I'm rarely coming to those meetings saying, here's what we should do. It's more like, let's talk this out. Let's troubleshoot it together. And I I have trouble trusting people who only ever come to the table with something to say when it's perfectly thought out idea. So first, you got to assess the work environment you're in. Is it not psychologically safe? Because if you work in one of those offices where no one will raise an idea until it's perfect, that is a real problem for the entire potential of that organization to innovate, to change, to improve, and to just capitalize on the full potential of its human talent, (laughs) its human capital. So You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to think it out as you talk it out. But if that's the underlying reason for the ramble, there is a pretty clear pathway forward, a good quick tip that I would recommend taking into consideration and bringing into your everyday work practice to help you be more concise and targeted in your communication. And that is writing out a roadmap first. I am recording this podcast with a piece of paper in front of me right now, and I'm speaking off the cuff with, by the way, the movie magic of having a fantastic editor, Stacy, on our team, our new in-house associate podcast producer, Stacy, who's cutting all kinds of things you'll never hear on this podcast, like me making mistakes and me stumbling over my words. So please don't get it twisted. Please don't think that you're listening to a podcaster or a TV show that encapsulates every human error. You're not. And while I think I do speak off the cuff pretty well because I do get paid to speak as a professional keynote speaker, the podcast you're hearing is filtered, (laughs) right? It's edited, just to be completely clear. So all that being true, having a roadmap to guide your commentary is still really helpful. So in front of me right now, I have a simple piece of paper on a little notepad, and I have sketched out the three main points I want to make in this podcast. I've connected the problems or the theory behind why you might be rambling to different solutions that I want to unpack. I recently saw this kind of a rough outline uh, popularized by AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman from New York, who I hope we all know, she's amazing. She gave a very stirring speech on the House floor in response to basically being called a bitch by her fellow congressman. 
uh, which is the kind of disrespect that nobody should have to tolerate, especially in the halls of Congress. But yet here we are. And she gave a very stirring off the cuff speech. And it was so moving. It went viral online. And she posted on her Instagram at AOC the little quick scribble of notes that she had made before getting up to make that speech. And what's important about her notes and the notes that I have in front of me right now is that they offer a roadmap. They offer direction. What are the key points that you want to make? It's okay to speak off the cuff imperfectly. It's okay to stumble through your words a little bit. What you really want to have dialed in are your transitions from point A to point B and point B to point C. You want to know where your speech, whether it's just a conference call that you're chiming in on or a Zoom meeting with your team or a keynote speech, you want to know where your anchor points are. And once you know the key points you want to make, it is okay to be a human who meanders their way to those key points. So my recommendation is even if you're in a meeting and you're thinking, oh, I got to add this to the conversation, before you speak up, write down in three words, maybe even, what you want to get across. You know, what's happening with the Eventbrite page? I want to make sure I talk about the budget. I want to make sure I mention last year's program improvement process. You know, whatever those three things are before you bring them up or even one thing, write it down so that once you start speaking, if you feel like you're meandering because you're thinking it out as you're talking it out, look at your roadmap, look at your outline and say, this is at the end of the day what I want to get across. And it's even okay to say out loud, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> or the point here is, and just anchor yourself, you know, kind of with a strong conclusion as you land on your final point as you're speaking up. Now, that's only really relevant if you talk a lot or you feel like you're rambling because you're thinking as you talk. It helps provide a solution to that challenge by providing a little bit more of a roadmap, a little bit more forethought uh, before you speak up. But if you find yourself rambling because of something totally different, the solution might be totally different. So another reason I hear clients have trouble being concise is because we are over-explaining. Now, why would you be over-explaining yourself? Well, nerves, uh, not knowing if they're getting what you're trying to get across, that feeling of dead air, like, are you picking up what I'm putting down? If you are not sure that your point is coming across, you might try to make it 17 different ways. And, you know, that can be a stressful situation, especially when you're not getting the reaction that you thought you were going to get. So whether you're on a conference call and you can't see anyone's body language and all you hear is dead air on the other side of the line, when you were expecting a round of applause or a positive reinforcement in some way, you might be over-explaining as a result of that anxiety. I think of that as more performance anxiety. You're not sure if your joke is landing. You're not sure if your point is coming across. Right now, I'm rambling a little bit. I'm re repeating myself a little bit because I don't hear you nodding along to this podcast right now, to this recording right now. So there's a very simple solution to this kind of problem. And it's 
I call it taking the pulse. If you find yourself going on and repeating yourself, rambling, because you are not sure they are still alive and with you, take the pulse of the room by asking a short and simple open-ended question. One that I use often as a speaker is just, are you with me? (laughs) Or am I right? You know, just asking for a verbal nod, essentially, when you can't see their faces to give you that nod. Or if you're talking about, I don't know, an advertising campaign and the budget and the results of that advertising campaign, you might pause and say, does that make sense to you? Does that seem right to you? And essentially kind of creating audience engagement. Now, when I say audience engagement, I'm not talking about just an auditorium full of people listening to you speak. That's not the only kind of audience you have. It might be your boss sitting across the table from you when you ask for a raise. (laughs) It might be your colleagues who are all half paying attention on a Zoom call. It might be your children around the dinner table ignoring you and keeping their eyes to their screens underneath the table, right? So your audience has to be engaged for you to not ramble due to anxiety that they're not getting what you're saying. I think of this as kind of like a basketball metaphor here. You don't want to be dribbling too long on your own. You want to pass the ball. Now, one of the reasons passing the ball in conversation can feel nerve-wracking, especially for women and marginalized people at work, is that you're not sure when the hell that ball is going to come back and when it might be passed back to you because other people tend to dominate the airwaves. So if you are desperately holding the floor by talking really fast and trying to get your points across by not giving up any floor for others, that's a different that's a different underlying anxiety, right? Ask the question and take the floor back. Take the ball back by saying, well, what do you think on this? And then they start to speak and then you dribble back in and say, yeah, you know, I've got something to add on that. Or you use body language to raise your hand and say, exactly, John, that's my point. So understanding what is the driving reason behind the ramble can help you understand what kind of strategy can help you be more concise. So first, if you're talking it out to think it out, Get yourself a roadmap. Write it down before you speak it out. Second, if you're over-explaining because you're not sure that people are getting it, ask an open-ended question. Take the pulse of the room regularly. And then don't think that asking an open-ended question means you have to shut up and stop talking. It might just be a gut check moment, and then you jump right back in. But at the end of the day, there's a third underlying reason why women in particular are often critiqued for being verbose or wordy. And it really comes back to what's popularly known as filler words. I sometimes call them buzzwords, but it's the likes, the you knows, the the meaningless filler that occupies a lot of our space. And I am one of many people who has a habit of telling women we should probably try to cut down on those filler words because they detract from our assertiveness. But that advice needs to always be given with a large grain of salt. And someone who we had on the podcast recently, Amanda Montell, who is a feminist linguist, really helps in her book, Words 
break down why it's so important we don't blanketly say women stop using filler words. First of all, it depends on the context. If I'm getting up to give a keynote on like what my area of expertise is and like I'm just like peppering like in between like all of my sentences, it would be like hard for the like finance experts in the like room to take me like seriously. And that is fair. It is fair to say maybe I should lock it up and lock up the likes when I'm on the keynote stage. However, if you go back to my podcast co-hosting days on Stuff Mom Never Told You, when Bridget Todd and I would be in cackling conversation over feminist politics, you would hear me say like all the time. And that's because like and other words like it serve a very distinct purpose, and it's called hedging. Amanda talks about this in her book when she writes, the other like that women tend to use more frequently is categorized as a discourse marker, and it can be found in contexts such as like, this suit isn't even new. Hedging is a specific form of what's called a discourse marker in linguistics. And really what it does is it preempts what you're about to say by giving it extra meaning. It sort of changes the meaning of what you're going to say. And in this case, hedging is all about creating connection and community. As Amanda writes in her book, quote, the like that women tend to use more frequently is categorized as a discourse marker. And it can be found in contexts such as, like, this suit isn't even new. A discourse marker sometimes called a hedge or a filler word, is a type of phrase that can help a person connect, organize, or express a certain attitude with their speech. Other discourse markers include just, you know, and actually. And as for why young women use the discourse marker like more, scholars have a theory. Students on adolescent speech indicate that people hedge with like in order to, quote, partially detach themselves from the force of utterances that could be considered evaluative, either positively evaluative of self or negatively evaluative of others. Here's what that means. If I'm about to judge something that would imply that I am better or that that thing or that person or that whatever is worse, I might want to not be so serious in how I express that judgment by saying something like, that is not even my style. And by saying like before I say, that is not even my style, I kind of reduce the impact of this negative judgment that I'm saying because I'm building connection and community with the person I'm saying it to. It, it is definitely complex. Don't get me wrong. And you should definitely listen to Amanda Montel's excellent interview that she gave me on this podcast back on episode 228 called Why the Term Girl Boss Isn't As Empowering As You Might Think. And definitely check out her book, too. Word is one of my favorite recent reads. But the bottom line here is saying like or using other filler words, especially in casual context, is not necessarily a bad thing. So let's not overcorrect what might be deemed rambly or, or filler word filled speech as blanketly bad. It's not blanketly bad. But if you're trying to cool it <laughs> with the casual talk in a more formal environment, I recommend 
three quick strategies. One, practice. If you're preparing to give a speech, a presentation, have a tough negotiation conversation, practice. Practice how you want to play. You can't practice writing if you want to perform in a speaking format. So practice speaking out loud. And then record yourself practicing so you can play the tape back. Trust me, every athlete has always done that because you don't know what you're doing well or doing poorly and want to change until you watch yourself back on the tape to really witness yourself outside of yourself. The second strategy here is to replace. Don't try to eliminate filler words, replace them with a breath, with a squeeze of your palm, with a stomp of your heel, obviously as subtly as possible here. Or I've heard some people use a snap of a hair elastic on their on their wrist, but to me that seems like a bit of a distraction. Whatever it is, habits don't just go away. You have to rewire that neural habit, that neural pathway by creating something else that is a better habit, a breath, counting to one in your head, you know, a smile, whatever it might be to fill in where you would normally revert to filler words. And then finally, enlist some support. We don't need to do this alone, right? Ask for allyship. If you have a habit of stumbling over your words and using like and you know and actually and all kinds of filler words in the boardroom and you can go to a trusted colleague and say, hey, I want you to kick me under the table every time I say like, or I want you to like... I don't know. I just did it now. Oh my gosh, it's so contagious. I want you to give me a wink or give me a signal of some kind. Tug on your ear when I'm using like a lot. What you're doing here is you're asking for allyship when it comes to awareness because you have to raise awareness to replace the habit with something better. So I hope this is helpful these three concrete ways to think about how to be a more concise, compelling, and cogent speaker, but know that you are not alone. There are so many reasons behind why we might ramble at times. Don't beat yourself up about it. Try to get to the root of the reason behind it. What's going on behind uh, our speech when it's not coming out the way we want it to, and then adjust accordingly. You don't want to treat the symptoms. You want to treat the root causes of what's causing those symptoms. I hope this was helpful. I'd love to hear more from y'all. What has helped you curb your ramble or call in your own speech to help make you come across as concise, clear, cogent, and compelling as possible? You know me. I love some alliteration. So that's what's happening right now. Wow. I feel like I rambled a lot on this episode about rambling because now I'm extra self-conscious about how concise I'm coming across. But I hope you can see me try to walk the walk here a little bit uh, and, and acknowledge that even people you think are great speakers, we're all human too. And trust me, I ramble a lot more on these podcasts, on these audio episodes than you ever do here. So if only we could have editors with us in real time. Wouldn't that be a treat? Thank you, Adriana, for calling into the hotline with this really excellent question. For anyone who wants to learn more about owning your voice and owning any room as a powerful, persuasive, and really authoritative speaker, check out our new program, Speak Up, at bossedup.org slash speakup. It is a two-month intensive training program where we create a community of courage for you to practice in real time 
putting into practice the theory of how to be a more compelling speaker. We have a handful of spots still open, but our enrollment closes soon, so don't delay. Check it out at bossedup.org slash speakup. If you found today's episode helpful, do me a favor. Do me a favor and help me make my voice heard. Would you share this episode with a friend or with your community, your networks, who you think would benefit from hearing it? And you can always get the full corresponding blog post with links to more resources at bossedup.org slash episode 249. Thanks as always for listening. Keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose, and together we will make our voices heard. Mm-hmm.